0: afterward some final words since we are living by the Spirit let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives Galatians 5 25 New Living Translation since this is the kind of life we have chosen the life of the Spirit let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Galatians 5, 25, the message. I, like you, spend a lot of my life in words. I live my daily life rooted in the scriptures and I spend a lot of my year writing sermons and talks sprouting out of those scriptures. I check the news, a series of reports sent in headlines and paragraphs. I spend time in my day in concentrated conversation with God, trying to find words to speak to Him and listening to His words to me. I spend the day in conversation with people, chatting, texting, emailing. And between all of that, I'm currently busy as a parent teaching my three-year-old how to correctly say the words in his ever-expanding vocabulary. As we finish the series, I'm trying to write afterward or another way to put that some final words to know where we are finishing it might be helpful to loop back to the start be with be like started as a sermon series to be preached in our church gatherings but when our most recent COVID 19 delta lockdowns began we made a deliberate choice not to preach sermons without gathering instead we embraced another format of communication that was familiar to the church, the sending of letters. Whether it was the apostles sending greetings to their recently formed house churches, or the church fathers sending correction to heretics denouncing Christ's incarnation or divinity, or Luther sending letters across Europe during the Reformation, or Bonhoeffer sending his prison letters in the Second World War. The writing and reading exchange has long been used by the church as a valued form of communication. So, we wrote. We exchanged our Sunday gathering sermons to Sunday epistles sent to wherever you have been in lockdown. Our words written down and sent with love, prayer, thought, and care. And we have hoped that they may be received well. Now I, like so many of you, have been on the receiving end of these weekly letters, too. I wrote the first Sunday epistle with my fellow pastors, but since then, have only written you midweek letters about, for lack of a better phrase, the business of running this church during the time. Admittedly, I did receive each Sunday epistle earlier than the rest of you, as I have changed from the role of preacher to editor in the season collating the various letters and audio each week from each author, giving them an edit, a final sign-off, and loading them up to our various platforms for delivery to you all. Then on Sunday morning, I'd check everything had worked as it was meant to, and enjoy reading it all one more time for myself. In the physical receiving of these written letters each week, in the actual stopping and reading of them, I've woken up to a realization. Words play a larger part in our faith than I usually give credit to. Come with me as we explore that a little more. This series was grounded in some great words, mainly the two texts of John 15 and Galatians 5. John 15 is the recording of Jesus' metaphorical picture of fruitfulness, that it takes a root system, a vine and branches to bear fruit. We will only find fruitfulness in the kingdom life by abiding in or remaining grafted to Him to bear what Jesus was rooted in. The Galatians text is Paul sketching out the new life in Christ. After describing what traits and actions come from a life detached from God and instead abiding in culture, he uses the analogy of fruitfulness to show what we are meant to be producing as life with the Spirit. These two segments of scripture are based in the core idea of fruitfulness and expand that idea in both rational truth and metaphorical imagination. I have loved sitting with these words for many months now, both before we started the series as a church, but also during the series with the rest of you. These words are a gift that keep on giving the longer we consider them. But In recent weeks, it was not just the content, but the format that these words come to us in that has caught my attention. The format being that one is a gospel, John, and the other an epistle, Galatians. The former is the record of the good news of Christ an evangel, and the latter is the writing of a pastor to his community via letter. Today, these texts are two of dozens of literary styles found amongst our Bibles. Scripture is a collection of words written by many human hands, but all telling one unified story, inspired by God's Spirit, and all of it is useful for teaching, correction, and encouragement. They are words that are sacred, words that are an authority in our Christian lives. Words that have divine meaning and ethical weight to them. But, and I'm not trying to be controversial or heretical here, John's gospel and Paul's letter wouldn't have been received in its original and intended audience in this way. Because these writings weren't regarded as scriptures to them. Because they weren't scripture yet. We'll leave the details for that for another time. They were just writings with a message to listen to. I think this dawned on me shortly after Natalie's Sunday epistle was sent to us all. Here I was having just read this heartfelt, cared for, prayed over, labour of love letter from someone in our community writing to us all from afar. And it struck me. This is just as Paul would have done. And it was in this moment, I realized that a piece of writing is both powerful and powerless at the same time. It's powerful because if the words are truly listened to, heard and received openly, they have the ability to change things in us. It's powerless because if we never opened the email or read it half thinking about something else, we don't absorb it properly and it changes nothing. Everything we as a church have sent out during lockdown has felt like this weird mix of powerful, yet powerless. We'd be so excited about what we were sending and what was possible if we all got it, and yet we would be aware of the powerless reality that if no one read it, nothing could come of it. The power is not just in the mind and hands of the one handling the words as the writer, it is also in the ears and heart of the listener. Could it have been the same for the first century audiences that found themselves reading some seemingly insignificant Johannine scroll recording the evangel of Jesus of Nazareth? Or what about those in Galatia as they read greetings from their old pastor? On the surface level, they were just writings It could be also powerless if the audience didn't humbly open themselves up to hearing the words and listening to the message. I'm reminded of Jesus' often repeated phrase, let those with ears to hear, hear. It's in listening with a receptivity to hear and understand that those words were transformed from just writings to something of revelation to the hearers. We, as hearers, have an important job in our listening. This thought has captured me this lockdown. How was I listening to these words? How do I listen to scripture? Do I have the ears to hear that I hope I do? So in response, I chose to not let the rest of my lockdown be one where scripture would be bouncing off me in powerlessness, but instead, received in power. I dedicated myself to a simple daily practice. Over the next month, I read the whole New Testament, allowing it to be powerful in my life by listening to it afresh. I read one letter or gospel a day, each in one sitting. And before each time of reading, I would take a deep breath and as we do at a church gathering each Sunday, when we stand for the reading of scripture, I would say to myself as a half prayer, half command, this is an authority in my life. I honor it with as much attention as I can give right now. God, come and speak to me through this word of yours. And then I would read. And by read, I mechanically was reading words with my eyes. I was taking in the symbols of letters and the words and sentences into my brain. There my interpretive abilities take place and my brain sorts out what words link to the meanings that I've logged in my memory. My imagination would see the scenes playing out. My brain would be firing along nicely like yours is doing right now. It's actually quite amazing to consider what's happening right now as you listen to this, isn't it? But also, I would try to listen below the surface of the text. I would try to understand what was unknown to me. I would try to enter into the larger arc of the story at play. I would find myself imagining things that without those words on that page, I would not have been sitting there imagining. I would take the words at their own terms without trying to get in the way too much, just letting them be the words that they are. I would try to play out the scenarios further into our context wondering what the life those words spoke of would look like lived today I would find myself at the end not reading anymore but praying the words into being lingering on words or sentences I would start a dialogue with the spirit I took photos of a couple of bits that I wanted to go into deeper some which might even be sermons one day but for now they are for me to work out for me and myself. After the month, I had read the whole New Testament in this hybrid of half reading, half praying. And I have no other way to describe it other than I felt deeply and freshly nourished deep in my being. All of this is part of spiritual reading. God spoke to me through the words of the New Testament during this month. I wonder, If we hadn't set out to write and read as a church, I wouldn't have encountered His speaking like this. Yes, I have other ways of listening to God each day, and those are all still practiced, valid, and important, but I would have missed this one. Eugene Peterson in Eat This Book speaks of how we aren't to just merely read the Scriptures as information, but as, quote, a book to be experienced, savoured, dallied over end quote. He also says, quote, reading is a gift, but only if the words are taken into the soul, eaten, chewed, gnawed, received in unhurried delight, end quote. To be good readers of the Bible, we must learn to handle the content and the context. We must not just read to learn something, though that is important, but to work the words into our lives to be lived, We must pray them and sing them. We must let them point out in us what they are saying to us. He goes on to say a rather sobering warning to us as readers, We don't form our personal spiritual lives out of a random assemblage of favorite texts in combination with individual circumstances. We are formed by the Holy Spirit in accordance with the text of Holy Scripture. God does not put us in charge of forming our personal spiritualities. We grow in accordance with the revealed word implanted in us by the Spirit. End quote. As Peterson points out, our Christian belief is anchored not to just some texts, but to scripture as an authoritative whole and the main event of its story. Jesus, the capital W word, holding all things together we must continually prioritise our listening to that word with the Spirit. In Galatians, after the list of the fruit of the Spirit, Paul encourages us to, quote, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, end quote. Eugene Peterson paraphrased this in the message to say, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads Or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implication in every detail of our lives. You'll recognize that from the opening reading of this piece today. Are you listening to those words? Really listening? This life with the Spirit, this way of being, work it into every area of your life. This is where our series that we've been covering now suddenly arrives with full impact into the scene. This series has been seeking to help you be with God, that you may become more like God, that you may get God worked into every area of your life. Big claim. But that is actually the heart of discipleship and spiritual formation. That is what it is to become fruitful. The image of fruitfulness and the list of fruit are a vision of life lived with Christ and as the best examples, like Christ. It is the manifesto for Christianity. As has been famously said by Richard Foster, the goal of the Christian life is to not simply get us into heaven, but to get heaven into us. In closing, I want to encourage you to consider some final words, as in, what are your final words? When you think about the end of your life, what words will describe you? What words do you want to be able to recount the life you've lived? Are they going to be words like successful, powerful, important, confident, attractive? Maybe fit, rich, or sensitive? Maybe they are words like, lived in adventure, smashed their goals, lived true to themselves. Or are they words like loving, joyful and peaceful? Maybe descriptions from your closest, like they were patient with everyone and in suffering times they persevered in trusting God. Or perhaps traits like kind and good to all what about a boss or a spouse or a grandchild who might say they were faithful to their word. What they said that they would do, they did. What about if you were described as gentle and had spent every interaction showing that to all people? And if you had stayed on the way of Jesus like you resolved you would, no matter what came to tempt you or sway you. See what's happening here? The fruit of the Spirit above could be just some words, or they could be a vision of having worked God into your everyday life, so much so that they became the life you lived. And you, and only you, hold the choice as to whether those words will be powerful or powerless in your life. The powerful one who is the Word made flesh He has already written his love letter and sent it to you. Now, are you listening to its message? Do you want to live what he has sent and said? Will you allow him to get heaven into you by the spirit he has now sent? So do business with this here and now and check you are hearing the message here. Check your intention. Are they just some words to you? words you're just leaving there in the scriptures for another time and another day? Or when you ask the question, who am I becoming? This all-important question of formation of the way of Jesus. Are you imagining a life in the way of the fruit of the Spirit? Are they your manifesto? Are you set on this goal of richly living a Spirit-drenched existence? of love experienced for yourself and exhibited in your everyday life to others? Beloved saints of Central Vineyard, may we make fruitfulness our quest together. May it be our mind's vision, our heart's intention, and may we co-labor to see fruitful things happen in our lives, our church and our city. In the love of the Father, the name of the Son, and by the work of the mighty Holy Spirit. And with that, those are some final words.